All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. If you can hear me clearly, give me an amen. Amen. All right, let's get kicking. Quickly open your Bibles, please, today to the book of Psalm. We're going to start with Psalm 9. And you know what? I can feel that you are going to be blessed today. And I'm going to be blessed too. We're casting out every other God. Psalm number 9, let's begin from that. We are going to read from the beginning to the end, the whole chapter. And what we are doing is declaring the glory of God. And what we are doing is releasing the spirit of judgment against iniquity into the air. The Lord requires us to do that. He says, surely the Lord God does nothing except he reveals his secret counsel to his servants, the prophets. Why does he do that? Because the prophets need to prophesy. Why does he do it? They need to release their work of God into the earth through the prophesying of the prophets. And in this particular context, all of us are prophets. Moses said it, I wish that everyone would be a prophet. And indeed, in this context, we are all prophets. So what we are doing is to raise Jesus high. What we are doing is to declare the release of the Spirit of God against iniquity, anything that is against the knowledge of Jesus in the land. And to do that, we take the word of God and just broadcast it into the air. So today we are going to read the book of Psalms, number 9, and we are going to read from verse 1 to the last verse, which is verse 20. And please, to make it easy, or to make it sound nice, let us all read from the same version, the one we use usually here, which is Psalm, uh, which is what? Yeah, New American Standard. Please, I keep on saying, because some people will now say that if you want to know scriptures, you I didn't say so. It's just the one I have always used, and I love it very much. And I have my reasons for loving it. But we are just using it now so that all of us will be on the same page. All right, let's read Psalm number 9 together. Are we ready? Now, want to let's go. I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonders. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. When my enemies turn back, they stumble and perish before you. You have maintained my just cause. You have sat on the throne judging righteously. You have rebuked the nations. You have destroyed the wicked. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. The enemy has come to an end in perpetual ruins. You have uprooted the cities. The very memory of them has perished. But the Lord abides forever. He has established his throne for judgment. And he will judge the world in righteousness. He will execute judgment for the peoples with equity. The Lord also will be a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Sing praises to the Lord who dwells in Zion. Declare among the peoples his deeds. For he who requires blood remembers them. He does not forget the cry of the afflicted. Be gracious to me, O Lord. See my affliction from those who hate me. You who lift me up from the gates of death, that I may tell of all your praises, that in the gates of the daughter of Zion I may rejoice in your salvation. The nations have sunk down in the pit which they have made, in the net which they hid. Their own food has been caught. The Lord has made himself known. He has executed judgment in the works of his own hands. The wicked is near. 17. The wicked will return to show even all the 
nations who forget God. For the needy will not always be forgotten, nor the hope of the afflicted perish forever. Arise, O Lord, do not let man prevail. Let the nations be judged before you. Put them in fear, O Lord. Let the nations know that they are but men. Amen. Again, we declare Jesus is Lord. Amen. Jesus is exalted. Amen. He's a governor among the nations. Amen. He's a governor in this nation. Amen. We declare Jesus is the King of Kings. Amen. We declare Jesus is the Lord of Lords. Amen. We declare that Jesus is coming back again. Amen. Again, we declare of the increase of his government and of peace, there shall be no end. Amen. Upon this rock, he said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen. We say it again, the gates of hell will not prevail against the advance of the church of God. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Everybody say it again, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. He is King of Kings. He is King of Kings. He is Lord of Lords. He is Lord of Lords. One more time, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. He is King of Kings. He is King of Kings. And he is Lord of Lords. And he is Lord of Lords. Listen to this, there is no other name given under the heavens by which man shall be saved. There is no other name. There is no other name that can save. There is no name like the name of Jesus. His name is the highest of all names. God gave him a name that is above every other, every other name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that indeed that he is Lord. Amen. We say it again, Jesus is Lord. Amen. We say it again, Jesus is Lord. He is the King of Kings. He's a Lord of Lords. He's a governor among the nations. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, before we take our seats, let's take our declaration of understanding. We always do that. One, two, let's go. Now I declare. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Hey, wait, 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 wait. Declare is a declaration, not a whisperation. I have to pause to be sure it's not myself I'm hearing, and I discover that it's only me and. Um, but three of us that were speaking, the rest of the people were murmuring. Murmurous is risking the wilderness. Now let's declare. One, two, let's go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord and pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. God is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. amen. I said amen. amen. In summary, you're already blessed. Amen. You're already healed. Amen. Prosperity has already come to you. Amen. Clarity of purpose is your portion. Amen. Receive it in the name of Jesus. Amen. And let's take our seats. The Lord is good. All right. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Okay. Um, sorry, we um a little bit behind because the men of God, they went to do um, an outreach somewhere. So we just got back. Just in time. So that's why there's a little bit of delay. So those of you who are joining us online, so we scattered the streaming platform. But some of you may have joined us from Oka this morning. So that's what you can imagine. So a lot of the streaming people were over there. So that's why there's a little bit of delay. But now we have started, so let's continue. No foreign gods. That's what we've been looking at. 
no foreign gods. We have been looking at that. Again, I just feel like reading that portion again, which we have read a number of times. That's Exodus chapter 20. I'll be quick in reading it this time around because we have read it several times. It's the Ten Commandments when it was given. He said, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. He said in verse 7, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, or for a vain thing. For the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Three commandments here. At the risk of sounding like a broken record, I will repeat the things we have said about them again and again. They are actually a triad of commandments that give... Of course, you have to understand, the spirit of this remains. Even under the New Testament, you cannot alter these commandments. These particular three especially. Of course, most of them. The spirit remains. And the spirit is so close to the letters here, it's easy to understand what he was saying. And they are a triad of commandments. A threefold cord cannot be easily broken. The first commandment says, there must be only one God in your life. And the name he gave them was Jehovah or Yahweh. Whichever way you want to pronounce it, it does the same thing. Just people pronounce them differently. And then the second commandment says, you will not make an image of your perceived impression of what that Jehovah or Yahweh is like. And he said to them, when you came to that mountain, did you see a form? They said no. He said you only had a voice. So be careful that you don't pollute yourself, defile yourself by trying to make an image and say this is an image of the God you saw on the mountain. That is second commandment. The third commandment, the threefold cord that cannot be easily broken. The third cord says Sometimes you will get into a place. You will find a beautiful image of a God. Don't remove the name that you met there and place another God, uh, put the name of your God on it. That image is a vain thing. The temple of that God is a vain thing. You are to destroy them. You are to break them down. You are not to Christianize the, an image, a false image. First uh, a commandment, only one God. That is established. Second commandment. Don't make an image of that God. The third commandment is simple. Don't find an image somebody else has made and give it the name of your God. Now, that force has a very deep spiritual importance in this generation. Because I said the other time, these days we hardly make images. People hardly make images. Even those who don't believe in God, even those ones hardly make images. What you find these days is that people make systems. And what they are demanding of us these days is to have faith in their systems. Modern day gods are systems. They are human systems. A god is what you look to, all right, or who you look to for provision. A god is who you look to for protection. A god is who you look to for the sustenance of your life. That is who a god is. It's not just the fact that you know that somebody created. There are two sides to faith. There is the historical side. And then there is the everyday practical side. 
That's why in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, it was given to us like this, that faith is a substance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. There are two sides to that. The word faith, the hope, means something we expect. And then, the, you know, the conviction of things not seen. There are two sides, again, to things not seen. That is, there's a spiritual realm, but there's also a historical realm. For example, you never saw Jesus. He said, blessed are those who believe without seeing. All right? So, but you know, they tell the story. And God ensured that no picture of him was taken. There's no picture of Jesus Christ. You know that. I know it was deliberate plot by, God, by the Lord. Yeah, he gave a group of people that didn't used to do artwork. The Jews. That is painting. All right? If he had carried him somewhere else, they may have painted him. He did that deliberately. He took him to people who don't paint people. <laughs> Whatever reason they had. And they made sure that the concept of photography did not come before he came. These were deliberate arrangements in the realm of the spirit. God could have brought the technology early, but he withheld the technology so that nobody would take a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ and start worshipping it. Okay? And even Paul now said to us later in that Second Corinthians chapter 5, he said, Henceforth we know no man after the flesh. Even if we knew Christ after the flesh beforehand, from now on we don't know him thus any longer. Whether he was a Jew, I've heard people try to argue about the supremacy of Judaism. They said that even Jesus was a Jew. Paul said that is history. Henceforth we do not know him after the flesh. Now, so you don't have a picture of this Jesus Christ, yet you believe. Blessed are you who believe without sin. Okay, who having not sin, yet you believe in. Peter explained that to us. So you have to understand that there is a historical side to faith. So you heard that he came 2,000 thereabouts years ago, and you believe. You heard that he died and rose again from the dead. You believe. All those things are faith in things not seen. The conviction of things not seen. There's not a shadow of doubt in my mind that Jesus came in the flesh. There's not a shadow of doubt in my mind that he went to the cross for my sake. There's not a shadow of doubt in your mind, I believe, that indeed he died and rose again on the third day. Things not seen. Okay? But there's a conviction of things hoped for. If you have faith in the historical Jesus, who is actually today's Jesus, there must be something about your life today. That reflects it. And there must be expectations. Faith is the substance of things that we expect. Hope there is not a wish. That is because he lives, we shall live also. You must believe it today. He came, he said, your brother will rise again. He said, no, I know my brother will rise again on the last day. He said, no, 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 no. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he dies, he shall live again. Listen to me. You should look into your life. There are things that may appear like they are dead. The fact that you have faith in Jesus means you should know that some things will live again. If your faith is not telling you something about today, then that faith is incomplete. I hope you are getting my point. That faith is incomplete. That faith is what? Incomplete. So, when we are worshipping God, there are different sides to him. When we say we have faith, when we worship God, that's one side. Then we expect things from his hand. That's another side. Who we are looking to for our expectations to come from is part of who God is. It's part of our system of worship. Please bear that in mind. Okay, so if you say you believe in God, there must be things you believe about him that is relevant to your everyday life. There must be. It's not just that he's a creator. That's one part. You are traveling, who's going to protect you? Your son is going to school, who's going to watch over him? These are the things that we call what? Faith. They are real. We call them 
hope, that is, we expect something. So the person you look to is your God. You may not give him the name God, but he's your God. So I've been saying, listen, modern day, people hardly make images. They make systems. And they ask us to worship their system. And the time is going to come, they are going to make it compulsory. If you don't worship our system, you will not be able to buy and you will not be able to sell. Please let me say something to you. Be very careful. The Antichrist is already at work. Don't expect one day. What I want to say, eh? believe it. Hmm? Even though I won't kill you if you don't. Not like if I could, but you know what I'm going to say. Nobody is stamping anything on your right hand physically. Nobody. Nobody is putting anything on your forehead. Nobody. If you are waiting for technology to insert a microchip, a micro, um, microchip into your head, into your right hand, I call it the mark of the beast, it's not ever going to happen. Because, like I said the other time, it's a type. It's a figure of speech. God was just like the beast. Or the, it's going to be a human being. It's not going to be a dog on the throne. It's not going to be a monkey on the throne. The beast is not going to be a lion or leopard or tiger on the throne. The beast is literally going to be a human being, and his name is the beast. The mark of the beast, therefore, will not be a physical mark. I am convinced of, of it. I hope you are getting my point. That will not be the mark of the beast. That mark is a spiritual mark. It is given to those who worship the beast. And many people say, oh God, oh Father, let's help us understand. Again, I have this conviction. That most of those who worship the beast will not bow to any physical image. You don't have to bow to a physical image to be a worshiper of something. I said the other time, how do we worship? He said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart. We read from Deuteronomy chapter 6. With all your soul, with all your might. Worship is how you, what you pursue aggressively. That's what you are worshiping. It's what you pursue. It's what you pursue. It's what you pursue. We came from Okad this morning. One of the things I said to them in Okad, I didn't even realize it until I was saying it. Read your Bible very well. You know, sorry, I don't mean any disrespect, but we have to say some things. You practice a religion where another name is mentioned more often than the name of Jesus. You should know you have a problem. Some of us love is more than, more, more than we love him. It's idolatry. You know, can I explain something? We may, listen, as I read your Bible, the name you find more, the word you find that is proper noun. You know what they call proper noun? I don't mean adjective or conjunctions and, you know, like is, was, were, all those kind of things. I don't mean that. I mean proper noun, like house, this, water. The one that is most frequent in the scriptures is God in different forms. First line, in the beginning, you find God more frequently than you find heavens and earth. Every line, and God said, and God said, and God said. And so, this book, the Bible, is a book of the worship of God. Because the name is all over the place. The name is all over the place. How do you worship? What are you pursuing aggressively? There are those who pursue their career. We do a lot of tokenism in the worship of God. What do I mean by tokenism? Just give a token of something towards the worship of God. A lot of us do it. A lot of people, they don't live their lives as being on assignment from the Lord. 
but they do something small for him so that he will not, if you remember that they remember him. Do you get my point? Like they go to church on Sunday. They go for an early morning service. As soon as the service is over, they live a personal life that is devoid of the knowledge of him. Then when they make money, they give him a portion. They go to a church when they say, you must tithe. Yeah, they tithe. See, let me tell you something about tithe. It's not a hard thing to do. It's very, very simple. Giving the Christian way is more difficult without the grace of God than tithing. Giving the Christian way does not allow you to explain that you have done your portion. If you are a tither, you can explain that I paid my tithe. But a Christian giver can't give any explanation. There's nothing like I've already given. doesn't have any, I mean, can you ever tell your children, I've already given you money for food when they are still hungry? The portion of my income that is supposed to pay your school fees has been spent. Meanwhile, the school fees is not complete. Do you ever do that? Many of us, the common thing, many of us, we are earning at, this, at a particular point in time, less than the totality of cost of living, that's house rent or mortgage, whatever, utilities like water, electricity, fuel for the car, and school fees. When you put everything together, it's a little more than what you're earning at certain times. So you go into debt. You start owing. Even though it's not deliberate, if you pay the school fees late, you, you owed. Even if you didn't go, please borrow me school fees from the school, from the school authorities. If you pay the landlord late, you owed. You didn't go to him. Landlord, can you lend me rent money? Once your rent was due, 1st of March, and you have not paid, today's what? 5th of March. You are owing for four days, so you are in debt right now. May the Lord deliver you in Jesus' name. In case you are owing somebody, I've just prayed for you. You don't say, I've already done my portion, and then you leave this or not. You are aggressive about getting them done. You now start looking for extra money. When God brings money to offset these bills, you are owing the landlord, you pay. You are, sometimes you have to buy food on credit because children must eat. They have not paid you salary. It's your personal problem between you, your wife, or your husband. It's true. Come to daddy, we are hungry. They have not paid salaries. Who talks that nonsense? Just say, we are coming. Now go and meet the woman telling him, Madam, give me 10 tubers. Say, don't worry, I'm coming. She'll get the point. Please, if you, are, if you don't have money, don't go and buy cloth. It's true that some people don't have that sense. Can't be owing on expensive things. Say, I need new shoes. And you don't have money. What's wrong with you? But if it's food, we can understand. But what am I going to emphasize? Brethren, you don't ever say, children, it's 20% of my income that's supposed to buy you food. I have given it to you. If it's not enough, it's between you and God. Do you ever say that? Now, that's how Christian givers are. They don't do token giving. I have settled you, God. They are involved with love. Did you hear what I said? They can't pay God of that gift. That's where you start from. I believe that percentage thing. Love the Lord. Love the brethren. Love the work of God. And make giving priority. That's what I have done forever. Now, I'm going to explain something. We do token worship. The man said to me, I've reached the peak of my career. Now I cannot go and preach the gospel. I said, God, they didn't call you. You leave it till it's convenient. You were never called. Or you are hopelessly unfaithful. I'm quoting Ken Hagen there. He said, some people, the way you see the way, he said, when you see the way they behave, he said that they are not called, or they are what? 
hopelessly unfaithful. What is worship? Is what you pursue with aggression. You're a student, I know. You go to class, it is the duty for, to, to, for the day. Do it as unto the Lord. Like we have discovered that God wants us to be neat. Did you hear that? So you can't wear clean shirt and dirty singlet. It's against the will of God. I hope you know it's not in the Bible. But we know it is true. We can't live a hypocritical life as believers. Because God cares. You can't arrange your sitting room because that's where we come as guests. Then you scatter your bedroom. Jesus doesn't come to your sitting room. He goes to your bedroom. Say, so look at this foolish boy. <laughs> look at where he kept slippers. Like I was telling them, you know, he went to your toilet and covered his nose. Jesus doesn't like that. Wash the toilet. As a bank, yes, we discovered that that's how he likes it. Aggressive pursuit. A man was decorating a building. And he was carving somewhere. They were building a cathedral somewhere. And then somebody told him, you are wasting time there. He said, why? He said, the portion you are carving now is going to be covered mostly by the roof. Nobody will see it. He said, but the Lord will see it. So he perfected his artwork, and then they put a roof on top of it. You know, an average person will say, ah, it's a waste of time. No, he said, the Lord will see it. I'm not carving for you or for you. I'm carving for the Lord. He can see through the roof. I'm talking about how we worship. It's what we pursue aggressively. It's not tokenism. It is what we pursue aggressively. We pursue the pleasure of him. So as a student, I go to class as unto the Lord. Why won't I cheat? Ah, my study is a service to God. I can't pass in such a manner that I can't show it off to him. I passed the exam, but I know how I did we stole a you know, exam question. We answered it. We, we snuck in the an already finished answer sheet. How do we worship? Aggressive pursuit of God in every corner. There's no tokenism there. Just give him something so he can let us rest. Yoruba man calls it Ajegba Makpamije. Who's with Yoruba here? Nduka. Yoruba rich like that. <laughs> So the person where they ask questions. Eh? <laughs> Jonathan speaks Lagos Yoruba. He doesn't know anything. All these people that grew up in Lagos, they speak Lagosian. That's a different one. Anyway, it's the same we have in Yoruba. Sometimes somebody's maybe you are eating, and somebody's looking at you. Take small, you know. So what? What literally means that? Which eat this one? Don't kill me. <laughs> some things you give to witches so that they will not disturb they will not disturb the rest. We do it sometimes, but that's not real worship. Real worship is aggressive pursuit of something. So anything you are pursuing aggressively, you are worshiping. Anything you are pursuing aggressively, you are worshiping. I've heard people say there was a book like that: retire young, retire rich. I think it was Robert Kiyosaki. There was a time it was happening, you know, it was in the financial, you know, motivational world. How to retire early. So people work hard, aggressively from the time they are in their late teens, early twenties, building up an investment portfolio so that by the time they are 45, 50, they need to, they cannot stop working. You are worshipping mammon. You are worshipping mammon. 
Every false God will be broken away from our lives. That's the purpose of this series of teachings. Last time I talked a bit about health. I don't know whether I'll get back to it. I said, systems, every day they set it up before us. The way of long life, the natural way. It is made to look as if once you can preserve this body, you won't die. But just for you to understand, it's a lie. You can have a perfect body, a dead spirit, and a dead soul. You're still a dead human being. The world right now focuses so much on the perfect body. Eat this, don't eat that. And people worship the flesh. How do you know? See their life. It's all about diet. It's all about exercise. It's all about watching what you eat. There was a time they introduced calorie counting. Some of these things we do very ungodly. When I saw that calorie counting, I said, this is of the devil. You know, when I'm preaching, some people say, yes, you know, these days I say something with boldness. I know God is, has been angry for a long time, but nobody will say it for him. So he said, Banky, I have called thee that thou may, may, may say unto my people they are walking in sin. If you're a calorie counter, a sinner. Many of you, the way Deborah is looking at me, she has never heard of calorie counting. So it's good. Remain in your ignorance. It's a blessed. But the way she squinted her face. It's a blessed thing. What is calorie counting? You know every... Something just came to my mind. So I laugh. I'll tell you in a moment. They did an experiment. They gave rats no food. And they gave some rats little food. And the rats with little food live longer than the rats with plenty food. So now say, please don't eat plenty food so you will not die. Are you a rat? <laughs> People don't even ask questions. Do I look like a rat to you? What kinds of stupid experiments that people want to lead their lives by? I don't want to give some medical information because I don't have enough time to explain it and you may even be confused by the, because it won't be, they won't have enough time. Okay? So I don't want to cause confusion. But some of these things that they found about salt and all of that, about three, four years ago, they brought the studies back and found that they were faulty. They found that they were done in rats, rodents, okay, that the researcher did, through what you call inbreeding, created genetic faults leading to inability to handle salt. And when they finished the experiment, it was published, and the whole world said this is how our life is with salt. They are not rats, and they are not inbred, but they didn't care. But just a few years ago, after more than 30 years or 40 years, someone looked and said, wait, this experiment is flawed. They said, okay, sorry, sorry, we're sorry. When the whole world had followed it for a long time. Anyway, back to the rats that didn't eat. Based on things like that, they now say, you are being a calorie. People now, you know, if you ever take a tin of food, they'll tell you the weight, how much pay, this tell how much calories inside. So when they enter a restaurant, the first thing they bring out their app, calculate to, to this dining, I'm going to eat, I don't, know how many, I, don't, I don't have calories in my head, but I'm going to eat 1,000 calories. So they will be calculating it. What's the weight of the ice cream? 50 grams. They put it inside. They will now put it together. This is the calorie for this evening. Once you start like that, God goes to the next dining table. He leads you to eat with the devil. Those who believe God, let me tell you the truth there. Oh God, no time to explain all of this. Is I have found that God has a supernatural way of balancing things. I've noticed that children, they are very funny. Children. I, I've looked at them 
If you see a child doesn't have enough to eat, he will still manage to grow. You will see some, you, they will eat and eat and eat. They won't add weight, they will still grow. So one day I said, God, what's going on here? The ones that have plenty and the ones that don't have plenty, but they are both growing. So how are you balancing it? I don't know, but he has his way of balancing it. If they don't give that one enough to eat, it will shrink his metabolism one way or the other. It will reserve most of the energy for the brain. And he just has his way of doing it that we don't understand. You see a child, he says he eats 20 slices of bread in the morning. You think he needs to keep healthy. Deny him, drop it to three. The bubble will still be growing. And you'll still be healthy. You'll be wondering, okay, where did the 17 go? Because you didn't add weight to this boy. The time you were eating it, you added no weight. I've, what I'm telling you, you have meditated. But don't just give me one simple answer because you don't know as much as I do. Some of these simple answers is from ignorant people. So just don't give me a simple answer. It's very complicated. Very, very complicated. It's why we have faith in God. When you are calorie counting, the Holy Spirit goes, it leaves away. You grieve the Spirit. Those who know God, you know what? They just reached there. Where's the food? This is the food. Let us praise. Let us thank God. Father, I want to thank you for this food and all the calories within in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And they start eating until they are full. And when they are full, discipline tells them to stop. Discipline tells them to stop. And depending on where they are, they eat depending. For example, if they see this plate, is, this food is just this amount. They've just mentally calculated the number that will eat it. So they take small so they can go around. But when it's a buffet, without end in sight. Have you ever been to a buffet? You sit down, you stand here. The table reached the end of that road. And every inch of the table is covered with the goodness from the land of Canaan. <laughs> I cannot, if, you can't, if you count calories there, God will just be angry with you. That is why, what is wrong with you? I brought it today. Do you know what they call celebration? You go to a wedding to count calories. You don't wish the bride and the groom well. If they bring food, if it's enough, chop it. And in case you are fasting, you break the fast temporarily. I'm giving you the strength of the spirit. <laughs> ah, bros, God will bless you, Joe. Don't mind this people. They are laughing at me. Meanwhile, you know what I'm talking about. If you did not want to eat, why did you come? If you were fa- fasting, St. Francis, why didn't you stay inside your, your what do you call it, monastery? You came out now. Did you see Jesus pass at the wedding? When they came, say, where's my wine? He said, don't finish. Come on, make me new wine. What do you mean by that? He said, don't finish. Seriously, bring me water. Wine. Oh, yeah? Guys must drink. We cannot come here. Look at Peter. I don't need long for this since we left Bethany, whatever we are coming from. Not everything wine has finished. Jesus does not fast at weddings. It's only evil people that fast at weddings. The time of celebration, you are supposed to do what? Celebrate. You can't go there and be calorie counting. If you come from doing celebration and you calorie count, I will cast out that evil spirit from you and it will go out with a loud scream. <laughs> the Lord is good. People do all of this because they start worshipping. Remember, worship is what? Aggressive pursuit. They start worshipping the things of the flesh. We're not talking about indulging the flesh recklessly. That's why I said, you eat and you're full. You stop. It's not every day you feast. No, feasting is not every day. If you're a busy person, you can't feast every day. You don't even have the time. But when it's time to feast, brethren, do it and stop counting nonsense. People wake up one day and say they are doing keto diet. The one that we, me and one of my dearest sisters fight over all the time is hallelujah diet. 
Why do we fight over hallelujah diet? Because of the name, hallelujah. I tell her, I say it's blasphemy. You have taken the name of the Lord and placed on vain food. It's a diet system. Don't place God's name on it. Because I, li- I watched the diet system. I said, this is not right. They say, you don't eat anything. Now, by the way, can I just say something briefly? Don't mind me. When, I, when I'm done, all this nonsense you are getting involved in, you won't do it again. Some of these things are, you know people who are eating and they are full. Some of these diets, you have to be very rich. Have you noticed? Yes, Any diet that does not allow aggregate bread and up in the morning, it's for rich people. They say no cook, nothing that has been cooked till 12 o'clock. Tell me one thing that a poor person can eat that has not been cooked till 12 o'clock. Just mention one in case you know. Fruit. Poor people. Fruit. <laughs> That's where I was going. Chop mango, chop carrot, chop cabbage, chop these things. When you see the fruits they chopped, that's like 10 uppers. I said, no, you won't eat. So my sister that does me and her fight every time. I said, this diet is for rich people. It's for rich people. One day there's one very prominent Nigerian on Twitter. I, I used to have one secret account. I used to fight on Twitter. But <laughs> the screen on my phone had a problem. So I, gave, I took it to the people to fix it. So they told me that they have to update my phone and do all of that. I should back up my information. I now forgot my password. So that my fighting Twitter account, that's how I lost it. So maybe the Holy Spirit doesn't like the fight. I used to fight there. So, so one prominent Nigerian one day said something. That he doesn't eat breakfast. And that he's 50, 50-something 50 that time. And I took a picture of himself looking very handsome. Now this, is a, this is, you know, when you don't eat breakfast. I said, oh, guys, not your fault. I said, let me let you know, not everybody has a driver, sits in an air-conditioned office, and crosses his leg and be walking everywhere every is air-conditioned. They say, you don't eat in the morning. Go and carry pompon, don't eat in the morning. <laughs> I wrote it like that. Too. I wrote it like that. I was so angry. Why do you confuse people? I took a picture of himself looking very handsome, see? I'm 50-something, I don't eat breakfast. You don't trek to the bus stop, do you? No, you don't. You don't trek to the bus stop. You don't carry a bag on your back going to school. You don't. You're not a salesman. Going from office to office. I say, all this, I don't eat breakfast. It's for those who have eaten. And they are full. Some of these dieting, you know, keto diet, Atkins diet, it's obvious you are rich. That's why it only comes from Western countries, where God has fed them and they're over full. You now see poor Africans say, I don't eat breakfast. Why do you have breakfast? Why are you pretending? <laughs> Aggressive pursuit of dietary systems. It's ungodliness. I'm serious about that. I'm not joking. I know pastors have turned their pulpits to diet counseling. The one that used to annoy me is when Nigerians begin to do it. I said, these people, stop making noise. You don't have enough food, though. Don't confuse young people. You want to bring American, you know, habits to the Christian church in Nigeria? No. I'm talking about what we pursue aggressively. People think that once you take care of the flesh, you will leave. It's not true. It's not true. It will amaze many people. They don't know. I've told you before, go and Google up what they call the obesity paradox. Go and Google it up. I won't teach it now. Just Google up obesity paradox. Slim people die too, as much as fat people. Everybody dies. 
I remember one doctor in America I read about last year. Works very hard, you know. Jim, Jim. He finished walking out in the gym one day, took his bag, came out and collapsed on the cap and died. On the sidewalk, sorry. Was on the sidewalk, he collapsed and died. One, he's a doctor. Two, he walks out regularly. They check him all the time. Finished walking out, picked his bag, stepped out of the gym, collapsed there and died. Now the footballers die. Why? Because the body alone can't keep you alive. The spirit must be healthy. The soul must be healthy. The three of them make up the human being. If one dies, they all die. A weak body eventually weakens the soul. The spirit gives out and the person dies. The other way too. Perfect body, broken spirit. The fellow dies. Perfect body, apparently healthy spirit, broken soul. The fellow dies. But there's one person that keeps spirit, soul, and body in his hands. So when you give the whole to him, you worship him in the morning, eat your food with rejoicing and with thanksgiving. When you give him thanks, the excess nutrient that you did not know was not good for you, he will lick it away. The one that is deficient, he will find a way to put it in for you. You just eat with rejoicing all the time. You activate another realm of keeping yourself alive. When we believe in human systems, we aggressively pursue no medical checkups and all of that. We spend more energy on checkups than we spend on spiritual checkup with the word of God. It's a form of worship. We are worshiping systems. So a good thing becomes a bad thing because we elevated it. There was nothing wrong with having earrings. You know that? Earrings. You know what they call earrings? Some people even put their own in the nose. There's nothing wrong with If you want to put your earring in, sorry, your nose ring in. If you want to put ring in your nose, it's not against the will of God as you like it. As long as you are not a man. Now that one I said is my opinion. When I see men with ring in their ears, I start wondering, are you alright? So because you're a footballer. I know there are only footballers, musicians, and uh, yeah, footballers and musicians. And then they put yarring for ear. Don't they call yarring? I personally think it's it's odd. In today's generation, I think it's not normal. And the fact that only two of you do it, those two groups, is a confirmation for me that it's not okay. When I start seeing pastors do it, I'll go and pray about it. But right now, I don't even see Dangote's people do it. I've ever gone for business with Dangote. Even Elon Musk, as crazy as he is, he doesn't do it. Mark Zuckerberg does not do it. You have to be a footballer or an actor to do it. Something's wrong with it. So I beg you, if you're a Christian, please, Christian men, don't put earring in your ears and don't put earring in your nose. Okay, Nano? Mm, please. Normally, when women wear earrings, there's nothing wrong. I hope you're getting my point. But when they took it and made it into what? A golden calf. God collected it. You know, you know he did that? Most of everybody, yeah, remove your earrings was punishment because he elevated his gold. Which he gave, you know God gives gold. He has no problem with people decorating their ears and their face. Like I said, as long as they are not men. But with, with women especially, God doesn't have any problem. But why did he tell them in the wilderness to remove it? Because they contributed from it and made a, a golden calf. What am I trying to say? When God gives us something good and we start worshipping it, make it into another God, we walk into iniquity. Remember, these days we hardly build physical calves. 
What we build is what? Systems. What we build is systems. So let's go on. The one we want to talk about today. To explain it, we'll look at the book of Exodus, um, sorry, Luke. Luke chapter 12. I want to do a bit of um, long reading. We'll start from verse 13. We'll read all the way to verse 34. Now, because it's quite long, it will permit me to jump here and there as we go on. Luke chapter 12. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. You know I'm talking about money. But he said to him, man, who appointed me a judge or arbitrator over you? Then he said to them, that is his disciples, beware and be on your guard against every form of greed or covetousness. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. King James says, and I love that, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things which he possesses. Please, to make some of my points clear today, I'm going to use that King James translation. Or New King James, the same. He says, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things which he possesses. Now, please, follow this very carefully. Because we are going to see how the world gets up, builds a system in direct opposition to the word of God. We follow it and we expect to be blessed. Meanwhile, what we have begun to do is to worship other gods. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself, what shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my bank account, sorry, my bands. Did you notice that? I will tear down my bands and build larger ones. I will build a bigger investment portfolio. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, retire early, retire rich. So, you have many goods laid, I mean, can you see it there? Yeah, it is there. (laughs) So, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, retire. Eat, drink, and be merry. Retire rich. But God said to him, you are a fool. I like it like that. The Bible says, you fool. Just for emphasis, I put the word, ah. God said, you fool. This very night, your soul is required of you. And now, who will own what you have prepared? And this is the verdict of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21. So is the man who stores up treasure for himself rather than being rich toward God. He said, and he's not rich toward God. Now, please, I want you to understand something. The way we often interpret scripture is this. You will store up treasure for yourself and what? Be rich towards God. And that will be correct, right? That's what we often read. But please, if you know the mind of Jesus, that's not so. Jesus is one of the two. Is either you store up treasure for yourself or you are rich toward God. It's not I say, do it and don't forget the other. That's not what he was saying. He now said to them, which verse did I stop? Okay, now I'm 22 now. He said, and he said to his disciples, for this reason I say to you, do not worry about your life. Don't worry about building up an investment portfolio for your future so you can retire early. As to what you will eat, not for your body, as to what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. 
That is, you are not giving life so you can eat. Neither were you giving a body so you can dress it up. He said, think about the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have no storehouse, no storeroom, no barn. Yet God feeds them. Please remember what I've been saying. You must activate the realm of life you walk in. It's so important. You have to activate this realm. This teaching is to help us activate this realm. In which if your bank account is zero, it doesn't worry you. And if it's plenty inside, it does not give you any confidence. It's a realm of life. It's a realm of life. It's a realm of life you have to determine that you are going to walk in. He said, look at the ravens. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't have storehouses, they don't have bands. But they continue eating. He said, they are, the food they eat is not a game of chance. It's God that feeds them. Hear ye the word of the Lord. You are more valuable than them. Verse 25. And which of you, by worrying about, can add a single hour to his lifespan? Let me tell you what Jesus said. Check your, do medical check from now to tomorrow. You will still die the day you are going to die. And listen, there's no doctor that they have, they have, they have, they, they have given birth to who has been trained, who can prove Jesus wrong. None. Not one. You know no book, Rich. I hope that English is very accurate for those who are watching from abroad. You are not that, you are not that acquainted with intellectual information. That's, but in Nigeria, it's easier for say, you know no book, Rich. Jesus knows more, much more than you. Let me tell you something about Jesus Christ. The fact that he has said it is what matters. It's not whether it was true or not. Even though it was true, but that he said it makes it real. Try and prove him wrong. you just be kicking against the pricks using the words of Paul. The words he gave to Paul. I'll be honest with you. Some people don't look at this man. You know, like I told you, I went to preach somewhere. They say, I don't know African witches or African demons. Some people are looking and say, this man doesn't know medicine. I do. You know what I said? I know it. I know book. See. This medical knowledge, eh? I have more than 99.99% of human beings on the surface of this earth, including Americans. When we were going to work out yesterday, when Yenka heard me talking on the phone with the professor that called me, that, that, that was the professor, the man that called, because he was using the car speakers. You heard what he was asking. What do you mean by this? I told him. Okay, can I treat the patient? No, don't treat the patient like that. Don't. The reason why I gave him, I gave him molecular information on why he couldn't. So what do I do? I said, this is the direction you go. He said, okay, it's true, it's true. Okay, thank you very much. Pastor, thank you very much. And he hugged the phone. I mean, Pastor, I know book. Not try me. <laughs> no, you, can, you were there yesterday now. He said, what kind of disease is this one? I explained the difference to him. He said, so can I treat with this? Why do they call it this? I was explaining the differences because... He crossed into the area where I know book. <laughs> we were examining the other day. I sat down. I didn't even know the other examiners. They sat straight when I came in. So I said something to them. Please don't call students like this. He said, but God, oh God, that day you took my order. You didn't do like that for me. And I said, I examined you before. Yes, but not a specialist. And I examined her as a student. I know book. <laughs> So don't think I'm speaking out of ignorance. What I'm telling you, better know that there's a man who God gave knowledge. Except that I have more knowledge than my teachers because his testimony is my meditation. 
Having said that, you see where I was going. So this check, this check, did they do? I know they do. I, I don't. I, my friend, one of my friends, he said, the one I told you last time, he said, Bank, when are you coming to check your colon? I said, I'm not coming. He sent a message out today. 60% of colon cancer could have been diagnosed early and cured. I started typing, how many people did you investigate who died for nothing? I wiped I said, they'll say I've come again. So I wiped it. See, I use medical knowledge is bad. No, I'm just saying that I have made up my mind to activate a different realm of working. That's it. I made up my mind to activate a different realm. So the last year that I was away from here for three weeks, if you remember. I was ill. That was why I was away. I said, what did you take? I said, I was in my house. Oh, I was sleeping. I'm praying. I'm praying for my wife who was so stressed because her helpful husband had collapsed. You know what it means to collapse? <laughs> when you fall only once. When you fall two times, it's collapse. Are you learning English? No, that one is bad English. If you write work like that... <laughs> You don't fail, oh. <laughs> Collapse is the correct word, oh. I was just joking, oh. I beg, oh. When I collapsed, I fell ill on Sunday. My friend, good friend, I was the best man when he got married. He, had, he died the day before. Yeah, he died on Saturday. I fell ill on Sunday. So you can imagine the panic. His widow panicked. She was on the phone trying to locate people who could find me. So one day, I was alone in the house. One of our brothers showed, knocked on the door. Actually, he knocked earlier. I think I didn't hear. So he called. No, I saw his missed call, so I called him back. I said, ah, I saw your missed call. I said, I was at your gate. That's when I was calling. I said, sorry. I left the phone somewhere. So I managed, got up, opened the gate for him. I was light, like light like a feather. But I was the only one in the house. So I, I opened the door. He came in. So I laid down there. So he was looking at me. I said, what are you looking for? They said, they said, I should come and check you. I said, what do you want to check? He said, let me check your oxygen saturation. I gave him my hand. He put his pulse oximeter there. He checked it. He said, it's good. Thank you. What else? He brought out bottles and injection syringe and everything. What do you want to say? He wants to take blood sample. So I gave him my hand, my arm. He tied his uh, rope, the tonic. <laughs> and I asked him, please, just one question. One, he's a specialist, he's a big man. He was my student, too. So as I asked him, I said, what are the tests you want to run? He told me, I said, okay, when you run this test, when it is up, what are you going to do? He looked at me like, what do you mean? I said, what's your plan? You're testing me. You must have a plan. <laughs> he looked. I asked about the next one. What's your plan if you get this one? And then they said, so basically, you're going to draw my blood, my precious blood, and you have no plans. <laughs> so you're losing the tonic. You put all everything back in his pocket. And we sat there and we were telling stories. One of me telling the story, he said, Baba, he said, When he left, I laughed. He came to my house, no plans. I laughed. He wanted to draw my blood. <laughs> Even witches have plans. He wanted to. <laughs> They draw this. They have plans, man. <laughs> he laughed. 
said, my brother, don't worry yourself. <laughs> and when you are ready to go, in fact, he let himself out. He said, where are you to come? You know how to open the door. He said, yes, I left. <laughs> so the person who sent him, later on, when we were talking, he said, hey, that's your guy. When I catch him, I said, what are you going to do to him? I turned to God and he didn't do it. I said, it's not his fault. When he came, we had a conversation. And he realized that it was pointless. He said, I should have sent somebody you couldn't intimidate. I said, I did not intimidate him. I just asked him questions. How do you, you know who I'm talking about? You see his height? How do you intimidate a man that tall? And you are sick. <laughs> that day I told my wife, I said, please, if I become unconscious, leave me here. So I don't want anyone to carry me up and down. Just leave me here. I said, one or two things will happen. I will wake up. Either in the bosom of the Lord, or I wake up and you will see me again. Yeah, that was what I told her. She's sitting down here. That's what I said. I don't know. I just was not in. I said, look, look, look. Of course, after some weeks, some days, I began to give my strength back. And I returned. I continued preaching. And I went to go and do my work. All the works I left undone. So that in case I want to die six months later, at least I'll finish these ones. That was when I quickly wrote Worship and Sense Control. Yes, I quickly, because you know, don't annoy the Lord. Don't annoy Jesus Christ. The Jesus that I know, don't annoy him. Just don't play with him. He gives you a job to do. Do it. Do it. I quickly got up. Worship and says control. I quickly wrote it. Then after that, we sit down here every Friday to be discussing scriptures together. Bible study. That's how I come. Before that, I was not very regular. Ah, before I was afflicted, me too, I went astray. <laughs> As soon as I was done, I didn't even waste it. As soon as I finished worship and control, I said the next book. That one is also, is also complete. Completely complete. The only reason why you, are, you don't have it in your hand now is simply because, well, you know what I'm talking about. There's some hitches with printing. So I made up my mind. I'll just release it as a PDF book. Let people start reading. Titled, We Walk by Faith. Please read that book when it comes out. So I, I rose and said, I went about the master's business. Because when Jesus, when he flogged you, all this Satan, Satan, Satan. Satan doesn't mean we are not friends. Last time Jesus saw him, have you considered my servant Banky? He said, don't worry about him. And he kept on going. He didn't even stay there to discuss. I hope you are getting my point. What was my logic? My logic is that I will not die a day before the Lord ordained. Not one minute before. He's the one that, listen, if I fall sick and die, and it's not time to die, he will kick me like this. I will wake up again. That is the truth. That's why he said, he that believes in me, though he dies, yet he shall live. Do you know how many times you have died? You won't know now. Because you were snoring. (sighs) 2 a.m., boom, you don't die. And you died like that till 4 in the morning. 5. The alarm went up, you woke up again. There was nobody to check. The only person that came to check wanted to touch you. Jesus said, I don't want to holler. Wake up. No, people. Ah. Our friend told us now, when his wife died. Told the tell her, sorry, she has gone. He says, it's a lie. She can't go anywhere. She woke up again. And it's another story I'm trying to remember. Dead for hours. People were like, ah. After some time, the person woke up again. Oh, you think the death is just a game of chance? If Jesus does not sign the death certificate, you can't die. 
The angel of death will come and say, sign. Say, whose zone is it? Say, Allah, you Say, leave that. Say, where did you get it from before? He said, those people were petitioning that die, you shall die. Say, Yinka, what did you say? Say, I shall not die but leave. He said, leave that thing now. <laughs> just tell it. Put the certificate. The angel will go. He just go and sit down. He said, not yet. What else? I don't think is a joke. Many times people have died. And Jesus said, no. I like the story of one man. He got to heaven. He was about to enter. He was enjoying the place. He said, man, see fine place. Hey, see fine heaven. Just tapped him. Oh boy, go back. <laughs> he said, go back. No, I like it here. He said, no, you have to go back. Ah, the guy said, no, sir, please. Ha, ah, this place is fine. No, just imagine now that you've been in Enugu for a very long time. Then one day, you just got visa. You now landed in Atlanta. As you landed in Atlanta, you came out like this. And somebody just say, let me see your visa. You now tear and say, enter the next plane. Go back. <laughs> you know, you are going to look like, what is going on here? Which enemy got here before me? <laughs> this was what happened to this guy. It really happened. The Lord told him, go back. What do you mean, go back? Okay, he had an accident at work. He was severely injured. He said, the Lord now kind of opened a kind of curtain. For us, it be like a curtain. He looked. And he let him see people praying. Arguing with the Lord. Lord, please. So he said, they won't let you come. They need you. The Lord closed the curtain. The guy then, he opened his eyes. He was back in hospital. They looked at him like, if I catch all of you. <laughs> Death is not an accident. Death is not an accident. Bear this in mind before you start doing anything. Let's continue reading. So which verse would we stop in? He said, which of you, by worrying about it, can add a single hour to his lifespan? That's what I was talking about. We are activating the lordship of Jesus over, over our length of days. If you are obeying God, listen to me. I don't know the blood pressure of Abraham. As long as he was following the word of God, following that promise, he wasn't going to die a day before Isaac was born. And he was not going to die until he saw Isaac grow and until he offered the sacrifice of that Isaac. You think those men were kept alive because, you know, you know human beings that don't have sense. And I said, those days, they had a diet that was based on, they don't know. They were not there when Abraham was eating. They were not there. What are you eating now? That Abraham, what did Abraham eat that we are not eating? He ate bread. Two of us. Don't eat bread. He drank milk. Don't you drink milk? Why are you not living to be 275 years? They've tried all kinds of things. And I say they used to drink wine. Do you know there was a time before God punished me? There was a time. I'm telling you. When I started, some of those, I went and believed that lie. And you know, Jesus, you know, I love you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Baba. You know, like, Jesus was watching me like this. I started reading scriptures. I started reading scriptures. <laughs> I'm laughing at myself. Foolishness. I started reading scriptures to find out what God said they should eat. So anytime I find the Bible, I start eating it. He said, eat honey, for it is good. I go buy honey. 
They were going to a land that flows with what? Milk and honey. Now I begin to chop milk and honey. If I tell you this, you'll be surprised. Do you know, I, I, I now planned to start drinking wine. Because wine was also there. Jesus was looking at me like this. This boy, I will show you something. There's no problem. Just continue. Continue this is your foolishness. I'm coming to catch you. I was believing, because I just suddenly believe, you know when you hear so much lies every day? You know how God did me in? I'll tell you. And I started eating these natural things. I started eating garden egg. You know garden egg? We just came to a good time. Now I begin to chop garden egg. Then I used to drive. I was working in the, you know, that prison area, you know, old UNTH. So I used to drive. Traffic was not so bad those days. I passed in front of that um, Holy Ghost. And, you know, that, uh, the, no, I, no, I used to go to Transacolo. So that roundabout, yeah, they used to sell this luscious in front of the old STB that's now UBA. They used to sell this big garden egg. So I just get there. I buy garden egg, put it in the car. I didn't used to wash it. I just rub it on my shirt like this. <laughs> I will start eating it. My wife used to wonder. You come to my house, the one I didn't finish yesterday is there. When I'm coming back tomorrow again, I bought another one. In something in me said it's healthy eating. Uncooked food now, raw. The way God made it. Jesus Christ, who's alive, who's our healer, say I will show this boy something. Just leave me and bank it. Leave me. So then I noticed something that time. So, my thigh started itching me. The itch spread to my lower <laughs> abdomen, my lower tummy area like this. So, one day I looked, I don't know whether my wife remember. I had this fine rash that grouped small, small over the place. You know, my mother thinks it's because I've always been like that. She said, I'm a doctor that does not take medicine. I don't rush to take medicine. I investigate. God gave me some wisdom. I, what is wrong here? I, I saw the rash. What is causing it? Let, let me make a long story short. So I started praying. Okay, oh, that's my first line at attacking any ailment. In the name of Jesus, by the Christ of Jesus, I'm healed. So one of the things God does for me over time is give me wisdom. Is a lot of my ailments have been solved through wisdom. And I, I take spiritual corrections and different things. So this particular one, I kept on checking. I kept on What is wrong? Let's make a long story short. I discovered that I was reacting to garden egg. That, I don't want to tell you how I got to that distance. I discovered I was reacting to garden egg. So I had to stop eating garden egg so that the chronic dermatitis that I had developed were clear. So Jesus was looking at me like this. So now you're not going to die now. And for years, I didn't eat it again. Until one day I prayed again. And I got wisdom that, you know the problem? You were eating too much. And too much of everything Englishman said is what? It's bad. You won't get, you won't live long like that. Brethren, that's when I stopped too. For me, it was a spiritual lesson. Since then, I began to understand. Now, just for your information, we've taught it here before. Jesus says something. You said the scriptures, thinking that in them you have life. What does that mean? You go to look for means of long life from the letters of the Bible. He said, meanwhile, the scriptures do what? Testify of me. The only thing you are supposed to find in the Bible is Jesus. 
You don't find investment principles. You don't find keys to eating well. You don't. So that's what Jesus was angry about. I came to my Bible to read how to drink um, wine and drink milk. Oh, should I start with the milk one? That one too injured me. Flowing with, are you going to the land flowing with milk and honey? Jesus was just looking at me like this. Then they got to a point when I had learned my lesson. One day I now asked for honey. My wife brought honey to the household. That morning I was making tea. So I took honey to put inside. Then I paused. I looked up. I said, is it taste? It's sweet. <laughs> I'm not joking. God, I remember very well. I just looked up. I said, is it taste? It's sweet. You know, he has this sweet. I was explaining because I know him. <laughs> If he thought for a moment I was looking for health in honey, well, I don't start again. So that day I said to the Lord, please, oh, this honey I'm eating, you know, when you mix it inside your tea, it gives you this syrupy feel, which is sweet in the mouth. That's the reason why I'm putting it. I don't think it makes anybody leave anything. I can just imagine you're laughing. Like you drink your honey, there's no problem. <laughs> I am telling, I'm, of course, I'm telling you the truth. That day I looked up at the Lord and apologized because I knew that if I for a moment looked to honey for healing, I would get sick. Now I eat my garden egg. I do. I drink honey. I eat honey. I drink milk. But I'm very careful not to look at any one of them as a source of health. It's just food. It's just food. I just eat it with thanksgiving. Why? We read from the scriptures. Say, which one of you, by taking thought, by worrying, can let, add one hour to your lifespan? People have exercised, dieted, done everything. They cross the road, motor jam them. When that time, God doesn't check whether you exercise or not. When it's time to, to for you to die, you die for it. They are so look. I can give you. 20 things that can kill you between here and that gate. Number one, you can fall from this height. But you won't fall in Jesus' name. People have died for nothing. Told the story of one young boy sleeping in the house. And there was a military exercise somewhere. They shot into the air. The bullet fell through their roof, hit his neck, and killed him. There was a bride and groom. They just got married. They were dancing, dancing. They were spraying them in Asaba. The policeman nearby was feeling happy. Shot into the air. The bullet fell on the chief bridesmaid's head and killed her. He didn't shoot at her. He shot into the air. Ask Israel the day he was coming back from manager. Tanker explained in front of him. He was using all his energy to jump out of a bus. The, the, the fire was flowing. Flowing towards their vehicle. He saw people almost literally melting as the fire caught up with them. Burned their skin. The skin dropped off while they were watching. He ran with all his energy. Ask him. You want to leave? Better pray to God. So you can be smart. One day I traveled. You know, my mother, she's a very good woman. My mother loves me and loves my wife. I don't know who she loves more. And then loves the grandchildren too, you know. One day she called, where are you? I said, I'm, I'm on my way to Zimit. So oh, no, not just. It was just time I went to just. Okay, how's your wife? I said, she's here with me. I said, Pastor, why should the two of you travel? I said, what's wrong with it? 
said, one person should stay now. I said, mommy. I said, I guess when we are two, Jesus, his hand will not be heavy. He has to drop one person. He's <laughs> a pastor. I said, mommy, it's true now. Are you trying to tell me that carrying two people is very heavy for the Lord? He said, that's not what I mean. What I just mean, I said, just leave it like that. Jesus can take care. I know what she was thinking. If this plane falls, two of you will not, will not leave my grandchildren. I just don't have Those thoughts crossed my mind too. I defy them. You think I don't fight? Oh, 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 oh you think the devil does it? He aims the thoughts too. I just I reject now. I reject. You know, my wife and I went to Sokoto on Monday, came back on Wednesday. And look, they think of my password. <laughs> Say for two of us don't come back. This children, I hope you can take care of things. So tell myself, will you shut up? <laughs> no, what gives me confidence a lot of time in those things is you know, read a lot too. It will help you. Samuel Doctorian, I read his book. When the plane was in, caught fire, the engine caught fire. The pilot, the other engine was still working. The pilot had to quickly make a turn and fly some time to get back to the airport. To be able to land. So, of course, you know, at that time, <laughs> like one comedian said, everybody starts shouting, Heavenly Father! <laughs> Even those who have not gone to church for a long time, they will suddenly start believing. Say, Jesus, you know, I say, I'm going to give my life back today. Collect. <laughs> <laughs> All kinds of prayer. Some doctor here just looked. He just looked out of the window. Then he saw it. An angel that was lifting the plane with one hand. And so he reclined his seat and just closed his eyes. He actually went out, looked out, and saw the angel there, guiding the plane back to base. So the heavenly father, the guy didn't bother. He just leaned his seat back, closed his eyes, and just relaxed. And the pilot made it back to the uh, the airport. Came down nicely. He quenched the engine, everybody the fire. Everybody came out nicely. Everyone, ah, thank God. He didn't. He thanked God, but not that kind of thank God. He just thanked Father. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that angel. Amen. Praise God. Next plane, you will enter. Next plane, he will enter. Because he realized that it is not the engine that is keeping us. The engine is the story God tells for the world to see. What is keeping us is the angels. Let's get it. We are not dying a day before the day he appointed. So he said, which of you, by warring, can add a single hour to his life? He said, if then you cannot do even a very little thing, why do you worry about other matters? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. But I tell you, not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass in the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, how much more will he close you, you men of little faith? said, do not seek, and do not seek what you will eat, what you will drink, and do not keep worrying. For all these things the nations of the world eagerly seek. But your father knows that you need these things. But what do you do? Seek his kingdom. And these things will be added to you. Now, please, this is where I read all of this. Verse 32. He said, do not be afraid, little flock. For your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. 
Please, this is important. This is a system that God wants us to walk in, and that system is called what? The kingdom. But why did he say, don't be afraid? I want to give you something. Because the way into the thing is scary. I hope you're getting my point. Like, you hold something, take literature, come and take. And it looks at you. He said, don't be afraid, come. You know why? He did something yesterday. He's your little boy. He wants to know whether you are still angry or not. So approaching onto you is dangerous because you may get twacked for the sin he committed earlier. He said, don't worry, I'm not angry. Come and take, then he walks in boldly. What am I going to say? When he said, don't be afraid, little flock, it is a father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. There is something that's scary about entering that kingdom. And you want to know, what is it that is scary? Read the next line. Read out loud to me. Where no thief comes, no more destroys. Now let's stop reading there for a moment. It says, sell your possessions. Sell your possessions, he said to them. Sell that which you have and give. What was it saying to them? Get rid of what you think you have as security. Get rid of it. That was why he said, don't be afraid. Because Think about it. You have saved money, saved money. They tell you economy may collapse. And by the way, can I just go over that for a moment? If the world builds a system, and Jesus says it's the system of the world, it doesn't have the duty to keep it standing up. If Jesus says, don't lay up treasure on the earth, he will not defend the one you laid on the earth. Fight from now till tomorrow, he won't defend it. I've seen people teach, and I've seen them practice in such a manner that is, what they believe is that if God gives me a millionaire, if I can just give him his portion, he'll keep the rest. So God gives them 10 million. They take 1 million and give to God. Then they save the 9 million for the future. And in their mind, I have given the Lord a tithe. He will rebuild the devourer from the one I kept there. In case you did not know, it doesn't work like that. God is not a keeper of money. He doesn't owe anybody to protect his money just because he gave him a portion. He's not a security man. I hope you're getting my point. Let's get it clear because I keep on saying this. Christians, a lot of them, they still believe it. I've seen people, I I didn't see this, but they told me that this man did it. He sell land and give because he has money. In another business, he wants to unlock. Have you heard that before? You didn't get me. But let me explain. Like now, you did a business. The people are owing you like 50 million naira. You have a plot of land somewhere in Nemene. It's worth 4 million. You sell it and give the money out to church, to a pastor, to a ministry. What is your purpose? So that by that gift, God will cost this, the business you did as worth 50 million for them to pay. Have you heard that kind of thing before? I hope you don't do such things. It's, it's, it's foolishness. It doesn't work. I want Christians to know if anybody preaches it to you, the person is just deceiving you. It doesn't mean it's wicked. It means it's deceived too. A blind man leading another blind person. You don't give money to God so it can, can unlock <laughs> the one that has not been. No, it doesn't work like that. 
Like I keep on saying, if you want to give, what do you do? Give. It's not bargaining. You don't bargain with the Lord. If you need that 50 million release, get on your knees and say, Lord, please. This is why I'm holding my money. You can say to him simply, a laborer is worthy of his wages. Lord, they owe it to me. Avenge me of my adversary. That's all. You don't need to say, God, let me give you something. No, we think that God is a, is a local policeman. No, we have this bribery mind, corrupt mindset. And we think he's just like us. He doesn't move unless you give him something. Say, God, help me. Say, what did you bring? What do you offer? Say, Lord, it's my 50 million I want to release. He said, 10%. Pay up front. Please, he is not like that. Did you hear what I said? He is not like that. If anybody tells you he's like that, they gave you an inaccurate description of God the Father and of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's not like that. If you get on your knees, if you make your case before him, say, Lord, avenge me of my adversary. He will avenge you of your adversary. He will cause them to release money that's yours. And if he doesn't, you leave it in his hands. Please, I hope you are getting my point. Yes, Don't even let it cross your mind that you try and give him something so he can do that one for you. It's not the will of God. That's just an aside. So Jesus said, sell your possession. No, the point I was making is that, listen, God cannot be persuaded to change his mind about the worldly system. Whether you like it or not, one day the dollar will fail. Whether you like it or not, the euro will fail. Whether you like it or not, one day Naira will fail. Whether it's e-Naira or paper Naira, failure is their portion. Whether you like it or not, this one will even fail, fail quicker. Cryptocurrency has failed. Those are failing people. Quick failure. All of them will fail. No matter how much you tithe, no matter how much you give, no matter how much first fruit you give, when money fails, your own money there too will fail. And don't feel bad though. If the bank collapses on my money, I won't pray. I said, Lord, they don't collapse. Oh. The bank, what do you want me to do? I said, you have plenty of money, and I'll bring more money. I won't pursue the one that they collapse upon. When they didn't want to give it away, I only left out in the name of Jesus. You know, I left seven, five million on the bank, and the Lord, I hereby show the seed for the release of that which has been locked by the devourer. There are prayers that don't come from this throat. If, I, that's, if I'm that rich, that 7.5 million that I have from somewhere else, I said, God, we'll quickly spend this one before he joined the other one to collapse. I'm not giving anybody because I want God to unlock that one. All I will do is laugh. I said, Lord, you know you have said it. Don't lay up treasure on the earth. Where moth destroys. And thieves breaking and steal. Bank collapse is thief breaking in and stealing. Moth destroying is called inflation. Reducing the value of your money anyhow. I have never been able to pray to God. So this money I have in the bank, may the value not go down. God said, eh? No, no, I don't do like that. How is your money? Naira, it will go down. I hope you know dollar two is going down. I have a friend in America. When, when me and were just, they say, do, I, the other day I said dollar has scam. He said, bank in major scam. He said, my guy just sat down and printed two trillion dollars. That's what they do in America. I hope you know that. 
Oh, you're not aware. It's called quantitative easing. COVID, they said um, um, Donald Trump is sending money to every household. You didn't ask me, where did they get it from? Just went to the machine. Photocopy machine, put one dollar. Photocopy is not dollar. Share to everybody. Not literally photocopy, but just issued the treasury bills. They just moved the paper. They just moved the figure around on the computer. Then printed plenty of paper and told him to sign. And all the signature was even a printed signature. And they sent to household in America. They said, government gave each household $2,000. Did they have it? How can somebody give $2,000 when it's owing $3 trillion? You know what they did? They just print money, knowing that people will buy. So my friends in America, I said, banking, now scam. I said, now scam. We all know the greatest scam of all is these cryptocurrencies. Those ones are the scammiest of the scams. The scam, scammer, scammiest. The scammiest of all these scams is the cryptocurrencies. Because, you see, the normal currencies have something backing it. Yeah, they do. Every currency must have backing. Let me digress a bit and tell you a bit about money, monetary policies. They say, you know, cryptocurrency is decentralized. It cannot be monopolized by any government. I said, that's why it has no value. The value of the U.S. dollar is, is an American landmass. It's the American nuclear warheads. It's the American military. It's all the you know, sections and sections of land on which they cultivate wheat. It's the oil they drill. It's the Google, the Facebook, the Twitter. All those things put together that you call GDP is the value of the dollar they give you. Why I said the Bascam is that once they print two trillion out of nowhere, they just diluted the existing one. Money only increases in value when you produce more. So with that extra production, you produce $2 trillion. You've just diluted the ones we had already. It's called redistribution. You use style. It's simply stealing from Peter to give to Paul. But cryptocurrency, somebody just sit down somewhere and say, computer is working, working, working. Say, ah, one Bitcoin. It's not gold. There's nothing backing it more than the common illusion that it has value. People say, paper money is like that. I say, no, paper money is not like that. Paper money has the backing of the government that issued it. Who issued your Bitcoin? Nobody. It only has value because you lie to yourself. It's called the greater fool's theory. The next man wants to buy, so it has value. What am I trying to tell you? Don't put your hope in any of these things. And if you put your hope in them, you know the truth? They will collapse one day, and when they collapse, your own hope in them will collapse with it. No prayer can prevent that from happening. So when Jesus said, Let's enter into the kingdom, he says, sell what you have. What was he trying to say? He wasn't saying, sow a seed. You must understand, the real seed of the spirit is what? Faith. The real seed of the spirit is what? Faith. What was he saying? All these ones you have laid up. Get rid of it. Get rid of them so that your focus can be where? In heaven. Sir, that is scary. I saved up seven million naira for so and so and so purpose. Because it was the purpose for the future. Said that one. Withdraw the money and spend it. 
Literally, give it out. You know why you were able to save it? You did not need it. Give it to those that need it. Say, so whether you like it or not, one day it will collapse. Lord, what happened to me that time? Didn't you read the earlier part? I said, go and watch the ravens, how they feed. The ravens just get up in the morning and fly. As long as they are flying about, God will drop something somewhere. I pray we'll get the point. Listen, it's a real, it's, it's a, it's a re-engineering of our minds to start thinking the way God thinks. That as long as you are following me, I will lead you every day to where I kept food for you. You know, one day I read the particular scripture. When I read there, I said, my God. You know the lions? They are very good hunters. Lionesses, they, they are good hunters. You know what God said? Every day they go out to hunt, they go to hunt the food that are provided for them. Now they are not, listen, they are not, they don't have food because they are good. They hunt because I have provided. I don't know what I get my point. That if, no matter how hard you work, if I did not provide, you won't find. But when I have kept food for you out there, sometimes I just tell you, not sometimes, the usual things I tell you, go, go and get it. The typical thing God does is to lead you into how you will get the food. You will get the provisions. He said, however, remember, no foreign gods. I said human beings create what? Systems. They say, believe in the system. This is what they have done with our finances. And we do it in church. How to secure your financial future. You buy the stock while it's still low. Once you start doing like that, please, people of God, get up and walk out. They're lying. The only way to secure your financial future is on your knees. There is no other way. The work you do is not for the security of your future finances. The work you do is an assignment from God. And God says, as long as you are doing it, sometimes I use hunger to make you go and do something. I hope you are getting my point. Listen, the, the world tells you that, you know, I remember the time where the, the Robert Kiyosaki was teaching us about real estate. I, I read a lot of things. How real estate is the best way to invest for tomorrow. I said, it's nonsense. Robert Kiyosaki, you're talking rubbish. How do I know you're talking rubbish? It's simply because God uses method to bless you. You now think all of us must follow that method. You are making a God out of the serpent. Of brass. That's what you are trying to do. God used it to heal Israel at the time. It's not the key to divine healing. The key to divine healing is to hear what God is saying at this moment. Many people invested in real estate and lost all their money. One of our sisters, one of the people said, her father said, you start buying land, you're not any money. You see, the mother said, if you buy land and I catch you, why? Because the mother bought land and lost every piece of it. You know, land is very, very easy to buy and lose. Especially when you buy on the road to that uh, Osuka side. <laughs> you know, those, those communities on the way. Let me not mention their names in case people on this front row are from that area. <laughs> are you from that side? And the Omonile and Omonile everywhere. They are very wicked human beings. You know them? They sell land to you. They sign everything. Then they sell to the next guy. The first to build is the one that owns the land. <laughs> the land is sold to you when you get there. The guy never begins with They sell to another guy. So people must go to hellfire. <laughs> 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 
Their wickedness is too much. Uh-uh. And you want to invest for your future in that kind of place? <laughs> Nonsense. Listen, even if you like perfect the title. Was not here they told us the other day some people their job is to look for people with perfect titles and still their perfect title. Human beings. Let me tell you the truth, eh? Better believe in God's economy. You know God's economy? You don't worry about tomorrow. He says, sufficient unto the day is what? The evil thereof. You can leave your money in the bank if you like, but when it's going to collapse, it will, God won't protect especially. When he said, sell all you have and give to the poor, there's something he was trying to say to us. He said, take your eyes away from this money, this world system. They said, build a stock portfolio to live for your children. Nonsense. Everything my children are going to get, they are getting it now. Education. Wisdom. Instructions. And I lay hands on them and bless them periodically. Where that blessing can't take you to. There's no cash I want to leave for you that will take you there. That was why Jacob fought to get it. Jacob fought. I told you aggressive pursuit shows what you are worshipping. Jacob fought. Because his brother Esau that had the best right, he didn't regard it as anything. So Jacob said, no, Hala, I will get his best right. The day he encountered God, he said, you will not go unless you bless me. Jabez said, Lord, oh, that you will bless me indeed. I hope you're following my point here. Jacob did what he had to. You may not like the way he did it. I don't like it too. But God looked at one thing beyond his method. His sense of value. For that inheritance. That inheritance. I like the way David um, um, Isaac said it. When this man came back. What is his name? Esau. He said, bless me father. He said, which, which blessing? I've given everything to your brother. He said, I have sustained him with grain. And with new wine. And he didn't give him a dime. I don't know whether you get my point. He said to him, let's just read it. It's very, very it's sweet. I like the way he said it. He said, I have sustained him. I'm using my own version. That's Genesis chapter 27. Let me just read from verse 36. And he said, have you not reserved the blessing for me? But Isaac replied in 37, behold, I have made him your master. And all his relatives I have given to him as servants. And with grain and new wine, I have sustained him. Did you notice that? Say, now for you then, what can I do, my son? Let me just stop reading here. What I'm explaining is the fact that without giving him a dime, what did the father say to him? He says, see, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Now may God give you the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and an abundance of grain and new wine. May people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master of your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be those who curse you and blessed be those who bless you. Those were words. Listen to me. These words, when, what is the name of our guy? Laban. Wanted to be smart. This word, you know, the Bible said the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. This word became flesh and engineered 
the genes of sheep and goats. This word became flesh. It made Jacob prosper when people were conspiring so that he would fail. He said, I have sustained him with grain and with new wine. What do my children need? The houses I will live for them? No. Houses are good. The Bible says it clearly. The fathers can give that. What would they need? The money I laid up for them. He said, moth will steal that. Thieves will break in and steal. Moth will destroy. What do they need? The blessing of a father. The blessing of a mother. These words that bless you, they are more important than money saved up anywhere. I'm talking about believing in the financial security of God and forgetting this one the earth is trying to give us. They teach us from the time we are young how to save up money to build an investment portfolio by which you can retire in 40 years' time. I said, if you believe that, you are believing nonsense. Especially when you're a Nigerian. I remember those days when my father was young. I found out later, of course. 20 years he took this insurance something policy. When he did it, it was going to pay him 2,000 pounds. You know what I said? Looked like big money then. Yeah, it was big for how much he was earning as a young man. Except that he was supposed to was, um, mature in 20 years' time. It was an insurance which they will pay you. You know, you know the way they do it. Uh, they, 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 then as you are paying, they, they, your money is growing. So if you don't die, you don't make claim on the insurance. After some years, you now give your money back. There's only one problem. By the time he was due to collect his money back, we're no longer spending pounds. We're spending naira. And all they were owing him was what? 2,000 naira. Now, it's not the 2,000 naira of today, of course. It's not 2,000 naira of today. But that time, the 2,000 naira, he bought his car that time, a brand new Pujo 504, for 7,700. So after saving money in an investment policy for 20 years, the money was not up to one-third what he required to buy a new car. 20 years. 20 years. It's not his fault. It's not his fault. When he started, 2,000 was huge. He could have bought a whole car that time, but month dot what? Destroy. So when I got to Lagos, then one guy now came to me, sold the same package to me, and told me that in 15 years, I could do a 15-year policy, and they were going to give me, is it 150 or 200,000 naira? My salary in a month was about 6,000, and he needed 500 naira every month from it. So I looked at him. I said, my brother, let's get it straight. I'm not planning to die. I will not die. So trying to ensure my life is not necessary. I told him straight. Now the story I'm telling you was 1996. 95, 95 into 96. Okay? 95 was when that encounter must have been. But maybe if I'm mistaken, maybe early 96. So I said, 15 years time, you will give me 150,000 naira. I said, by that time, I will be dashing people 150,000 naira. 15 years time from 1995 was which year? 2010? Yeah, 2010. 2010. Are you sure? It's true. The first five added to it is what? 2000. The remaining 10, if we add it to it, is 2010. That arithmetic, are you sure it's correct? You know I'm doubting it. Because as of 2010, as of 2010, you couldn't rent a decent duplex in Enugu for 150000 No, let's even talk Enugu. At that time, it's a small flat. 2010, where were you, baby? 
No, now, that time you turn 10, now without 10, but don't let me embarrass you here. <laughs> I want to give you correct information. Anyway, whatever it is. Oh, by that time, oh, I was already paying 800,000 naira a year in rent. How would I have felt if I have given that nigga my money? <laughs> Because that time, I needed that 500 naira like fish needed water. And I remember God gave me a word for the guy. I said, I'm not going to take off my, this is my lean present to put into tomorrow that's very abundant. I said, leave that. The guy thought I was talking sense, financial, financial, investment planning. No, I was talking faith. I said, my brother, 15 years to wait for 150K? I said to him, in that time, I'll be giving out 150000 and not knowing I spent money. And do you know what? It really happened. God wants us to... Listen, this world financial system cannot keep your destiny. Jesus said you must reject it. It amazes me when church will come back and be telling us how to build a big portfolio. For, I said, for what? You must understand, Christians, we do things as an assignment. Please, I won't want to start teaching that now because you may be saying, okay, I will not, so we don't handle money. No. Money is a tool for us to do what God wants us to do. I like one thing, Rem. This man said, Econet. Strive Masiwa. He said he used the power of the Spirit to raise, is it, $2 billion, $1.5 billion to buy Econet out of the public domain so it could have control in a private measure. He raised $1.5 billion. He was trying to explain that Christians should know how to use the power of the Spirit. He needed the money to gain control of Econet. I hope you are getting my point. Everything we do as Christians, we see it as an assignment from God. That's why if your money collapses in the bank, that's this one I have learned. Oh no, God is very good about it. No, God is good to me. If I lose money, it's not a, it's not a cause for a cry. It's money. I don't know whether I get my point. It's money. It's money. It's not destiny. It's not future. It's not my labor. Say, so, oh, this is what I labored for. No. Any money I have is a gift of God. If you dash me a hundred naira, I thank God for it. It's not just you. It's the Lord. Lord, thank you for this hundred bucks. So if I find 20 million naira, Lord, thank you for the 20 million naira. If it gets missing, the Lord gave. The Lord took it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. One day I gave somebody money to buy my wife a car years ago. After plenty story, the motor did not arrive. He now came to me. I was giving him one point something million. I said I should give him 40,000 so I can collect my car. I said no. This was more than 10 years ago. Just 40,000, sir. Your car will come. I said no. That 1.2 million is lost. This 40,000 is my own. I'm not losing it too. Put that for pocket. Let bros forget it. People, people are looking at her. Sir, I said no. Bring the car, I will give you 40000 Don't bring it, I ain't giving you shishi. Not giving you a dime. The guy one day, he traveled, he traveled all the way to Bini to go and meet my friend. He said, hey, sir, he called me, sir, I'm in Bini now. Who did you say I should collect the money from? I said, is the car with you? He said, no, I hung the phone. I told my friend, if he brings the car, collect the car, give me 40000 naira. Is the car with you? He said, no. I said, in that case, get away, I hung the phone on him. And he traveled a great distance from somewhere in the west to get to Bini. You wanted to play me while you didn't know that I'm a man of faith. By faith, I threw away the 1.2 million. 
One of my friends said, Banky, you are strong. Now, 1.2 million, I'm telling you, more than 10 years ago. The story I'm telling you is about 15 years ago. My friend said, Banky, you are strong. I said, there's no strength in it. The money has been lost. I said, I've written it off. I said, I'm not owing anybody. I thank God. I've written it off. I finally got my car. I finally had to give the guy who gave me the car. Anyway, they had it quarried amongst them. The importer. I finally had to give him 70,000 euro extra, and I finally got my car. But I wasn't inclined to part with a dime unless I saw the car. Because I said, I have written off the money. It's money. It's not the Spirit of God. In the Spirit of God, we pray, do not take the Holy Spirit away from me. <laughs> As for money, God, take it if you want it. The devil says, I'll take your money. I won't even pray, but the devil, get away. Can you spend it? So I can spend it. Okay, go and buy salvation if you can. You know what I find about money? God has absolute control of my money. So if he takes away one million, and I say, Lord, you are going to repay with two million. You know what you say? No problem. When you need it, let me know. How do I know? It's from the story of Job. He took everything away from Job, then gave it back to him, double. There's an economy God wants us to walk in. I'm not talking about Kalo Kalo when you give the Lord will not multiply. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not here to do Kalo Kalo with anybody. God forbid I should play that nonsense game. But there's something about being a, a constant giver. It's a, it's a sign of faith. If you are giving because you want to reap, you are not a giver. You are an investor. A real giver gives because it's money. It's just money. It's not eternal life. So it doesn't think anything of it. You know where God is bringing us to? When we really has, we have understood the economy of God. You just look like Strive Massey. You are saying, say, Lord, Kai, to move this our work forward so we can increase the employment platform to like 10,000 people, you need to bring like three. Okay, Lord, just $2.5 billion will be necessary. I know what I found out. Sometime before you finish saying it, you will have answered there are things God did for me recently. I said, God, if you let me ask, finish now. You are still thinking. Answer came. Say, Lord, let's land with the You know, let, let's be able to testify that we ask the Lord. We are still thinking it. You are answering the, you are answering the prayer. Listen, many times, what we are doing with our financial planning is telling God, don't bother. Let's bow down our heads. I don't know what you are going to do with the, what we have preached this evening. Say to the Lord simply, take me into the kingdom. It's a simple prayer, Lord. Take me into the kingdom. He said, don't be afraid, little flock. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I want you to pray a simple prayer. This thing. He said, Lord, take me into that kingdom. So that the world's financial system will not be the place where I put my hope. To have read so much how to invest, how to do invest in real estate, invest in stock. That is not the kingdom of God. Those things are used as tools. God will let you know when the time comes for them to be used as a tool for certain things. But your, your everyday life, for, your, for the security of your future, they are not the things you use. The stock market is not where you lay up your treasure. No. Your treasure must be laid up in heaven. What does God want you to do with the stock market is another story. The bank account is not where you lay up your treasure. Your treasure, the security for your future is in heaven. What does God want you to do with a bank account? It's a way by which you transact business on a daily basis. You can't be carrying cash around. That's discussion for another time. What does God want you to do with insurance? It's part of doing business. 
It's part of obeying the law of the land. But it's not the place where you keep investment for your future. Everybody pray this evening. You have one more minute. Say, Lord, take me into the kingdom.